Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. You know, for the people who you have identified as high performers and people that care, people that have passion and show passion and grit for the job that they're doing for you, you make the time. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Let's address the elephant in the room. Hiring as we transition out of the pandemic is hard. There are people who are better off on unemployment than they would be at work, or so they think. In this segment of the conversation, we talk about how to make work interesting, satisfactory, even inspiring to the people you're looking to hire. And let's be honest, higher performance employees are going to require high maintenance, and that's just how it is. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. I was speaking with a client earlier today about a unique and new problem in the world today, and that is that people would rather collect unemployment than take a job right now. I'm sure you know about this. Yeah. And a lot of companies are struggling to hire because of this. What does that look like to you? What do you suggest people do about it? Well, I mean, I do think um, for better or for worse, the pandemic pay is going to be coming to an end pretty soon. <laughs> so it seems, and, and maybe in some places faster than in other places. You know, it, it is a balance. I am a huge proponent of a safety net. Maybe this is more of a meta political conversation than, sure. than we what we did initially. You know, I believe that society is judged by how well they treat their most vulnerable. So I think well it's important to have a safety net. But of course, that can be abused. And what I think we're seeing now is in an attempt to provide as much support as a government that has, you know, 300 or 400 million people that they're responsible for, you know, there is no one size fits all solution. So you've got people who are collecting, you know, more money than they probably would earn on the open market right now. But that's a moment in time. Um, <laughs> One of the things we started to talk about because we're seeing the signs of this over the last four or five months is that we're about to experience major job churn. We're about to see people who were sitting in place during the pandemic because they felt they were very fortunate just to have a job. Mm -hmm. Now that things are beginning to to come back to life and the economy is really beginning to hum, we're going to start seeing people switch based on a variety of reasons. Either their values have shifted based on reflections during the pandemic, or they've upskilled and they want to do something different, or they feel that they can achieve more elsewhere, or their personal values no longer align with the company's personal value, or they moved somewhere that was lower cost because they were told they could work remote, and now they're being told they can't work remote. There's going to be massive job change. Mm -hmm. So I think as you get the pandemic unemployment 
emergency unemployment stuff, uh, you see that rescind and decline and you see this job churn, I do think the market will pick up and people will start to come back into, you know, sort of middle and lower wage jobs. But at the moment, you know, certainly with lower wage jobs, I don't think there's much you can do. There is stuff you can do with middle and higher wage jobs. And that really revolves around culture. And again, more bespoke treatment of individuals. If you can make an environment and a culture appealing to somebody, I believe you can bring them into the workforce. You don't think that applies to lower skill, lower EQ, lower Well, I do think that all companies should have a people-centric culture, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that it works as well when you are getting paid minimum wage or close to minimum wage at a job that is not necessarily personally rewarding. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're the person who is filling orders at the drive-in and McDonald's, I'm not sure that that job aligns with your personal values it's a challenge. In any major way? I, it's a definitely more of a challenge. I can tell you the clear and open teaching on that is you find a way that the employee can use that job to make themselves more the person they want to become in whatever Which way I'm, they can. Yes, and I 100% support that. And I know that companies like McDonald's and Starbucks in particular yeah. provide a lot of opportunity, uh, educational and upskilling opportunities to their employees. So that is definitely a lure. But if you take a mom and pop restaurant or, uh, you know, in a, in a city like New York, there are restaurants that maybe have three or four locations, but they don't have the resources of a Starbucks or a McDonald's, it's sometimes very tough to provide those extra incentives. What you really need is just somebody who can, you know, uh, do the dishes. And yeah. there's not that much more that you can offer them. And it's hard to, yeah, you can treat them well and, and you know, make them feel like they're more than just their position, which I think everybody should be treated that way. But at the end of the day, you're getting paid fairly inadequately and you're dishwashing, you know, you're washing dishes. That's it's tough to make somebody feel real purpose and mission with the vision of your business in that role. Definitely tougher. And this is why uh, I work with a fair amount of businesses in that arena, you know, lower skill labor and they're not getting paid a whole lot. And that's why I coach them to appeal to the self-interest of the employee and you know, to ask pointed questions like, what don't you like about yourself and how can you use this job to change that? It requires certainly a, it requires a lot more creativity. You know, it's like how to when they don't see moving up, you know, in a mom and pop restaurant versus one day maybe I could be the COO of Starbucks or something. Obviously, it's you have to be a lot more creative. But um it seems to me that in a time where people are explicitly saying, I can make more staying home and not working, yeah. it really puts into the foreground, like, wow, the it's what I call the employee mentality. The employee mentality is like, I trade my hours for money and, and I'm trading half of my waking hours to work for you and there's nothing in it for me. And I see it that, that as a kind of crisis of like, employers are going to have to show up and and offer something besides money, especially because the less money they can offer, the less on the table there is for the employee to take. First of all, I, I, I thousand percent agree with everything you're saying. I'm glad to hear that because sometimes I think I'm crazy for thinking this. No, <laughs> no, no. It, it, it makes complete sense. And ultimately, it is no different than what I'm talking about 
you know, with the technologists that we represent, the culture yeah. and feeling like whatever organization you're working for, whether it's a mom and pop restaurant or a Fortune 500 company, you want to feel valued. Um, and that's not always monetary. It's, there is monetary value. And yes, you want to be paid um, an appropriate amount for your work, which can be a challenge for lower skilled, lower wage jobs. Um, and ultimately, I think this is kind of a no-brainer, but there really is no way to compete against free money from the government for not working. Like If they're going to pay you the same amount or more not to work, it's going to be very hard for companies to compete to bring you in. Ultimately, they're either going to have to raise the, the, the rate and the amount that you'll get paid in order to, to lure you out, or as we're seeing happening, the government's going to have to dial it back to more of employment, unemployment functioning as a stopgap measure as opposed to a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the difference between highly competent and not highly competent people? Well, I'm a firm believer that intelligence is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. Okay. So I think really what we're talking about is, you know, there, there are going to be people in any society that have a lower IQ and can only learn up to a certain level and, and things beyond that really are sort of out of reach. But there are going to be plenty of other people who are, you know, Mensa level intelligence, but not given the opportunity to learn. So, you know, I think that the, again, met the meta conversation, we as a society in the United States in particular, because that's where we all live, or I assume much of your audience lives in the yeah. United States. <laughs> we don't all live here. Sure, but we don't all live here. <laughs> I uh, that's, where I, that's where you and I live. Yes. You know, we have a real challenge of how to remove systemic bias within the system. And that is all kinds. You know, it's race, religion, sexual orientation, age. It's not exclusive to one specific thing. And also provide a level of education for those who want it and need it and are able to absorb it so that there is more of an equal footing. It's, you know, it's an age old challenge. I do think with each day, we're getting a little bit better to the extent that we're at least talking about these problems. And that's a starting point. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's really the issue here is there's some people that are not going to be capable of certain advancement, but those that are capable should be given access to the opportunities. And, and that's where we see a disparity still. And What would you say to a manager, and I, I hear this a lot, what would you say to a manager that says, okay, I get that my employees need mentoring, they need education, they need training, but I'm overwhelmed as it is. I just need someone who can step into this position and make it work. I don't have time, bandwidth. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a coach. I just need someone who can do the job. Look, you can't be everything for everyone. And I'm keenly aware I have a small business. You know, I think we have give or take 12 employees slash contractors. And actually, we actually run three businesses and, and a couple of charities. So we were spread thin and in a, a lot couple of different directions. Of charities. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I, I completely understand that. You know, for the people who you have identified as, high performers and people that care, people that have passion and show passion and grit for the job that they're doing for you, you make the time. There are going to be other people that are more transient and maybe you need to have them fill this role for this moment in time and you don't have the time to invest more into them and perhaps you're prepared to lose them because of it. 
Yeah. You know, we, we do have a finite amount of time. Resources are finite. Uh, all kinds of resources, time being one of them, are finite. So, you know, you, you make those decisions and there's an opportunity cost. So I, I don't think we can be everything for everyone. Well, you, um, you said you said the opportunity cost kind of uh, under your breath for a moment. Yeah, that's like kind of that's a big deal. What yeah. what I I, pre- I appreciate your style, Rishon. Your um, you you've got a lot of very uh, skillful di- diplomacy in the way you speak, <laughs> and I'm sure my listeners will find it maybe a welcome break from the incisive uh, challengingness of how I usually talk. I mean, how I generally talk to people is like you don't get to have a players if you're not one. And if you want a high performance car, it may need a three thousand dollar oil change. You know, it, the, these the high performance means high maintenance. Now, yeah, in the um, freelance world, that may be less so, but probably still is the case to some degree. Well, you get what you pay for, for starters. <laughs> yes, but um, peanuts, you get monkeys. I often that's say. right. I was my my partner's uh, father says you can't soar with eagles if you employ turkeys. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. So, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. If you are not, and this, again, this goes back to culture and a top-down philosophy. If your company, whatever that is, if it's a restaurant, if it's you know, a startup, if it's a mid-level company or, or uh, a Fortune 500 company, if you don't walk the walk and you don't insist that those beneath you walk the walk, you know, it's it's not going to work out well. Ultimately, there's going to be um, a lot of transition um, and churn in in your jobs. I mean, job tenure is is already down, and I think that it's going to continue because people can move around. Especially high high skilled uh, workers can move around more flexibly now. And I also think employers are being smart about you know hire slow, fire quick. Yeah, um, we have a saying in our you know 10x, which is rent fast, hire slow, get the, the knowledge where you need from freelancers. If you can't find that W2 employee, the freelancers will build, you know, buy you time to find the right kind of talent to work with long-term mm-hmm. to find those A players. But I could not agree with you more that if you are not an A player and if you can't lead like an A player and be people-centric, then there's no way you're going to attract and, and keep that is the core of our book. It's like, if you're not prepared to do what is required as an organization to attract top players, um, which means walking the walk and talking the talk, you're, you're not going to be competitive. So uh, are you planning on, uh, on uh, needing a whole lot more capacity and your revenues going through the roof in the next few years? Because the well, we, I can tell you, we, over the last three, four months, We've increased capacity in the people we represent. Now, mind you, we are meant to be a boutique agency. We're not yeah. trying to be a platform. Like we're not Upwork, we're not Fiverr. Right. We represent a fairly small cadre of individuals and small shops, but we've increased our capacity by about fifteen percent because we're seeing demand uh, increase, and we're anticipating a lot of churn, which will cause the need for temporary work. To increase, um, yeah. I don't know that that's going to be over the long haul. I don't know what you know the next two years look like, but I think the next eighteen months, you could yeah. see a lot of that. And what goes along with that, it seems to me, and this was already the case when you know years ago we were talking about millennials before there even was a Gen Z. We were talking about millennials and their increased demands for mentoring and individual attention, and now there's more working at home that exists, and so people have to get better at hiring and better at managing. 
even more than it was just millennials and Gen Z. Now there's the we're in the COVID economy and all this churn, and there's a lot of competition for employees, especially with the uh, temporary but pungent smell of people being at home getting paid <laughs> for not working. And it's it's an employee's market, isn't it? And we live in the on-demand world as well, where everything is customized for you. You've got a customized playlist, you know. Yes. Everything can sort of be customized to your tastes on demand. And that really pervades into the job market where people expect things to be customized for them. You know, I'm I never I'm, thought about that. That's really good. I'm an individual and you're just gonna put me in this. You know, I'm an E6. What does that mean? I'm an E6. I have 15 years of experience and I've done this, that, and the other thing. Has every single person that's an E6 has 15 years of experience and done all these different things? No, I'm unique. Treat me as a unique individual. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, Know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.